0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Thanks for joining us on Believe in Clemson Football with Lebron Kirkland, I'm Will Vandervoort. We've got a jam-packed podcast today, so we're not going to waste any time. As you know, the Tigers are coming off a gut-wrenching double overtime loss at Notre Dame. We're going to talk a lot about this game and break it down considering the Tigers are off this Saturday. How will the Tigers recover from such a tough loss, especially in the regular season? something that has not happened at Clemson in three years. Injuries are becoming more and more of an issue on defense, and it really has affected the way the Tigers played down the stretch and in overtime. Also, how can Clemson get better and what does it need to do to improve upon if indeed the Tigers do get a second shot at the Irish in the ACC championship game next month? But before we get into all of that, the NFL season's at the halfway point. Yes, mine and LeVon's. Pittsburgh Steelers are still undefeated as they get set to host Cincinnati this Sunday at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. Do you think the Steelers can keep it going? If you do, then you need to go check out the action at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I welcome in former Clemson All-American linebacker, uh, Pittsburgh Steeler, great. Um, Hopefully, you know, future Pro Football Hall of Famer. He should be. I know he's going to say he doesn't, but I believe he does. And also uh, already in the Clemson Ring of Honor. LeVon Kirkland. LeVon, man, uh, welcome, buddy. How are you? Uh, good to see you again this week.
0: Hey, man, I'm doing well. Hey, today, man, I got a surprise my my sister that's two years older than me. So she came by, we grabbed some lunch, and then she helped me make this favorite dish of hers that I love. So she actually walked it through with me, and now I think I have it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to test it out tonight. But yeah, man, that was... Um, Part of my big surprise, my good day today, and then also, you know, the weekend was good. Uh, it was just crazy with this election and finally finding the results, man. It was just, it was a long, long week. And, um, and especially, you know, seeing what our Steelers did, man, they came with a big win. That was that was great. 8-0. It's the first time, I think, in their history they've been 8-0, okay.
1: so that's incredible. That, that's, that's nuts. Ain't no uh, yeah. First time ever, as much as they've done and how rich the history is and tradition. But I got it before we get going here because you're talking my favorite thing and that's to eat. So yes. what is this favorite food
0: that you're going to cook tonight? What is it? it? It's something that I probably shouldn't have to be honest with you, but <laughs> it's, it's really good. Hers, she does a great job of making these chicken wings. Mm-hmm. Whether they be like the whole wing or the the flat are the drum ed, She does a good job of seizing them and, and making them. And so I had her today, I'm like, okay, we gotta do it. You know, I, I have really given up eating some of that stuff, but man, I just had to have it. And she, she made a batch for me and so, so good. So um, yeah, that was, I, I had to get it out of her. And being a good sister that she is, she, she made it for me. So I'm all smiles here. It's a, I
1: love chicken wings too, man. And uh, who doesn't love a good chicken wing? Man? Oh, my God. And I, when I was younger, you probably the same way as I was. I mean, I could eat, I, I hate to say this because people are going to think I'm like 700 pounds, but um, I know at one sitting, I ate 26 chicken wings.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, that's a
0: lot. Yeah. But I like to do. see it. Chicken wings. I, I, I probably, I probably could have done that. And uh, a, a, if it's a, if it's a quality chicken wing, then
1: yes, you can sit there and eat them all day. You, can get chicken wings and tacos, I and mean, I can eat a ton of tacos too, man. It don't matter wow. if it's hard shell or if it's with I, the other thing. It's. I like I can, the hard shell.
0: So I like it, the hard
1: shell. Yeah, I'm
0: all about the hard shell. Yeah, the hard shell is that's that thing. Yeah, it's There's the, something it, about the uh, contrast between. The crunchiness and the softness of the the meat and the cheese and I mean, whoever invented the taco, he's a genius. The, absolutely, he or
1: she is a genius. There's a place in the, uh, it's called Taco Hut in San Diego, mm-hmm. and uh, so when we were out there for the NCAA tournament a few years ago, uh, a friend of mine told me you got to go to the Taco Hut, and he told me where it was located and all, and so it's just this dive. You know, yeah. it's not anything great or special, but you go get their tacos and they make their own shells. And dude, it was the best tacos I've ever had. Hands down, not even close. Got some beans and rice with it too. Oh, it was so good, man.
0: Hey, Will, why is it that every dive, a
1: hole in the wall has the best food? Why is that? I, I, the reason I think why is because I think it's – um. You put the passion into it, the, yeah. the passion's there. They're really proud of what they do. And right. so I think that's why I really do. I believe that's the difference in a dive in a regular restaurant, you know, because you, you. I think the person doing it and running it, they really enjoy it. This is what they want to do. And, um, you know, so I can see that, you know, and it's, uh, oh, man, dude, it's, it's just so good. That, I mean, at that talk, I remember when I bit into it, it was like melt in my mouth, you know.
0: Yeah. And I think you have so a good. point. I think you have a point there, Will. I think you're absolutely right that people that are making food in those little small mom and pop family kind of oriented places, they really actually do care more about the food than you and you can you can really tell when you taste it. When you go to a restaurant that's just a normal restaurant and, you know, you got the workers there now, you probably
1: don't care as much. So,
0: yeah, I think you have a point there.
1: Yeah. If yeah. you find the best barbecue, me and my brother were driving oh, yeah. through. We were driving through um, North Georgia a few years ago, and uh, you know, me and Kevin were starving. And he's like, "What do you want?" I said, "Man, I could really crave some barbecue." So he got out his phone. And he's like, "Let's see if we can find something. And so um, we're in the back roads of Georgia mountains. And so he found this. He's like, "Well, this is place up here about ten minutes." He's going, "It's up on the right." He's like, "Let's give that mm-hmm. a shot." I can't remember what the name of the place was. <laughs> we went in there, and I tell you, man, I got the brisket and. Uh, the, the coleslaw, all the stuff, man, and that stuff was so darn good. I was like, oh, it was it was a dive, you know, because yeah, that's, I, I love to hit dives when I'm on the road. I'd love to hit dives.
0: Right. You know? Yeah, well, because, you know, Outback and some of the regular franchise places, you know, they're, they're the same. You know, yeah. if, if you're going to another city, you got to hit something that's authentic in that city and nowhere else. So, man, that's kind of cool. So yeah. the next time I go to a place like that, I'll let you know, especially if it's good.
1: Yeah, let me know, man. Let's do that. Yeah. We'll we'll try to do it. We'll start doing our little our dive reviews. Ah,
0: there we go. Dive yeah. review
1: sounds good to me. Uh, so hey, man, um, let let's think about you know we we're just talking about dives and you know kind of the passion and, and I think let's let's go into raw emotions. I, I kind of want your raw emotion after watching that Notre Dame Notre Dame game last week. What what went through your mind? after Clemson uh, lost that game?
0: That we honestly gave that game away. That it was a game that we could have easily won. Clemson could have, even though they had significant injuries on the offensive side and the defensive side. We played well enough with those guys that we should have won. I, I think that they probably played their best, most emotional game big game that they could have possibly muster up. And what I thought was they're still not on the level of a Clemson university. The talent wise is not quite there. Now they had a big offensive line, but I really think that Clemson did more to hurt themselves than Notre Dame uh, did to win the game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, you know, the bottom line is, do you win or lose? But if you really look at that game carefully, You can see there were plays in there, you know, big plays on their part that really kind of decided the victory. It wasn't so much they just, you know, just road trucked us to death or they just, you know, they were just, they just outmatched us. I don't really think it was that. I don't really think they outfitted us. I think we just made, I think Clemson made some mistakes that really cost them the game. So I look at that game and I'm thinking like, wow, that was one we really probably should have won, even though the perfect storm was for Notre Dame. They had a lot of things in place. We didn't quite have that in place as far as injuries are concerned, as far as having a home field advantage, as far as, you know, revenge, as far as a lot of things, it really played to their favor. And it was a it was kind of an upfield battle with us, starting with the second play of the game, 74 yard run. That honestly, if you have people in the right place, you may have been able to stop that block. Hmm. You know, it was that it was one of those kind of games. So I didn't. My raw emotions was I didn't really think about wow, they just really outclassed us. I don't know if we could we can hang with a team like Notre Dame. It showed me that the future is still bright at Clemson. Uh, you need to clean up certain things. You need to understand situations. And that kind of comes a lot of times with a lot of reps and some playing time. So I felt that Clemson would be fine when it comes down to the end of the season, especially if they have to play Notre Dame again, and especially if Clemson is healthy. I I really believe that Clemson will have a chance to beat these guys by at least two two touchdowns.
1: Yeah, I was listening to another podcast earlier today, and um, it's on the Believe Network here, and they were – they were talking about this game, and, you know, the, the guy came out, and he was, he was saying, you know, he, wasn't, he doesn't think Notre Dame should be the number two-ranked team in the country. He, he, he just doesn't believe they are. And the, the, the young lady that was uh, with him, she says she agreed with them, and she actually said that they gave up 400 and some odd yards to Clemson and went to double overtime to beat Clemson's junior varsity team.
0: Right. I because, heard, you know, I saw the same thing too. You saw the I, same I, one. Okay. so I thought it was kind of, I thought it was kind of funny. I really
1: I, did. I, I did too. And, 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 and it really kind of stood out to me too, because when you look at this game and you look at how it began and who was missing to begin with Tyler Davis, James Kowski, Mike Jones. And we talked about this last week, right? That we thought those matchups were going to be key. If Clemson didn't have those guys in the game, because you thought Notre Dame could run the ball up the middle. And that's Skowski, and that's that's Jones. I mean Davis, and then you knew they got those tight ends. And without having your starter and Mike Jones, you're playing a freshman. Um, and what happens sometimes when you play a freshman? They're going to make freshman mistakes. I thought Notre Dame took care, took advantage of that with the um, on the outside there with their tight ends when where Jones would have been, um, and they used that to their advantage. Then injuries happened during the game on the defensive side of the ball, especially late when Clemson, that I thought, got control of the game, despite all the turnovers, uh, Travis Etienne basically saying hot potato with the defensive, with the linebacker there for Notre Dame and letting them take the right. touchdown. And despite that, they overcome it, they dominate the game, and there's a stretch of 32 minutes and 18 seconds, LeVon, where they outscored Notre Dame 23-3. to Despite all yep. that that happened, grabbed the lead, 40 to 30, or 33 to 26 at the time. And then it's like, and this is the best way to describe it. It's like somebody took a grenade and threw it in the middle of the Clemson defensive huddle. And the next thing you know, there's like six Clemson players laying on the ground injured yeah. and Notre Dame is just rolling right down the field. That's what it was at one point in that game tying drive for Notre Dame. They had six freshmen on the field for Clemson six. Mm-hmm. And, and then the big 53 yard pass play, Nolan Turner, Remember the play before? Got cramps, went down. Yeah. What do they do? They bring in Ray Thornton, a freshman, and he gets burned for a 53-yard pass. Yeah.
0: It, well, it was crazy. Well, you, you you always you have to preach just so much about situational football. If you're a safety, you just can't really sit on a route like that. You can't sit when that guy's climbing you as fast as he was climbing them. It's time for you to get deep. He basically kind of fell for a little – a little bit of a double move. Mm-hmm. They let him inside where the defense is just very vulnerable at that time. And I mean, it was an easy throw. And if you look at throughout the game, it was kind of of plays like that, that kind of helped Notre Dame stay in the game. I mean, you know, third, you know, the very first game, the very first uh, second play, second play of the game is really they hit the C and D gap. They double team at the point. They kick out, and it's an alley, um, yay big. He runs through the alley. I think Turner has an opportunity to understand that, okay, he's out of the open. I need to make sure that I can follow him back to all my other guys coming. Most running backs are taught, you know, you hit the, you hit the numbers, and then you hit outside to run away from the defense. Mm-hmm. He made the cardinal sin of letting them get back outside. Now all the pursuit is farther away. They can't get them. A 75 something yard run, a big explosive play. On the second, you know, on the second possession that Notre Dame had, you got them in their third and long. You let them get a pass. I mean, it's a you let them get a long pass on 37 leads to a field goal. Uh, another third down, they moved the chains. So they scored in some form or fashion on their first three possessions. Then you come to the five-minute mark um, in the second quarter. The game is still at hand, 10 to 13. You're, you you You're, know, Even though you're not playing your best, you're still in the game. Then you get that hot potato fumble, as you mentioned. That leads the game to 20 to 10 in the five-minute mark. Then you come back. And you fumble the ball after you get a first down, that gives them an opportunity at the two-minute mark or so to kick another field goal. Mm -hmm. So basically, like Bear Bryant always says, a lot of teams just lose the game more so than the other team win the game. So I really feel that Clemson really kind of lost that game on some situations that, you know, if they control those situations – and they get some breaks, they're going to win that game. But, I mean, nobody else ever wants to hear about excuses. They want to hear about wins and losses. And they they came out, and they didn't win the game. And now, you know, they still got an uphill battle. They want to get back to that playoff. They got to get back into the ACC championship, and most likely Notre Dame may be the opponent. You don't know. And – they got to win that game. That game is going to be crucial for them to win. So, yeah, look throughout the game. You look at it. You study the game. You understand that Notre Dame was just not just steamrolling Clemson. Um, they Clemson really made some mistakes. They had some young guys in there. And they did a really good job of attacking the C to D gap, especially on the goal line situation. And I always say this, just because I play linebacker, Uh, The C to D gap is always usually the hardest gap to defend. It really is because the offense usually has angles on the guys. They can double team at the point. And if your linebackers are too close to the line of scrimmage, they can get caught up in the wash. They can get caught up in the bodies. Or if you want to call it the trash, Mm -hmm. they can get caught up in it. Now they can't really scrape and make plays that they normally make. And I think that's what happened over those last couple of scores. You know, they, they put it where they had leverage. Uh, we didn't really adjust to where the play is probably going, and we're in trouble. A lot of times as a defensive player, especially playing linebacker, you have to understand that you need to adjust to where the tendencies are going. You still have to play to play and react to what you're seeing, but a lot of times, if they got a double, if they got a wing or anything like that, or they got it tilt to that side, as a linebacker, I would say, hey, go ahead and move over a yard so you can be there quicker, you know, on time. If they do something else, so what? You still can adjust to it. But you want to adjust to what they do the best or what they have shown. And they, have, they hit that C and D gap, uh, especially on the second play, and sometimes on the goal line. Then we really we were just not there. We weren't in their place. They just doubled down at the point,
1: and I mean they have angles everywhere else. It's just hard to stop. And so people understand what the C and D gaps are. It's the gaps between the guard and the tackles, and then the tackles and the tight ends. And they were a lot of two tackle, two tight end sets, and playing sort of overload to one side. And and that's where I agree with you. That's where they were hitting Clemson the most at. And um, maybe kind of the tight ends got away with a couple of holds. Um, that's neither here nor there. We don't make excuses, like you said. But uh, definitely they were playing that, and th- that was a great analogy, a great look at what that what happened on that t- that touchdown to start the game for them. When I, when I really look at this also, you know, I looked at DJ, and who played great, by the way. I mean, let's right. be honest. I mean, he yes. threw the football well, made some great decisions, didn't look like a freshman. However, there were a few instances where I thought if Trevor was playing – he takes advantage of this because of experience. Mm-hmm. That's more what it is. Um, a couple of times on the RPOs, where uh, DJ would uh, give the ball to Travis. When you see the defensive ends breaking down, and it's like you know you're sitting there, and it's like if he keeps it, he's probably running 10, 15 yards, or he may get five or six yards. I don't know, but regardless, it would have been a positive play as where Trevor, as where Travis was getting maybe no gain at all or a negative play. And, you know, that's – you're running behind the chains then. And, you know, obviously, if you run the ball a few times that way, that loosens up the defense. It causes the defensive end to stop crashing down. It allows Travis to have a little bit easier path to try to make something happen. And then also I thought with the running game – I mean, excuse me, with the passing game, a couple passes where you saw uh, uh, Davis Allen running wide open down the seam. He throws a pass that's a good read. It's not a bad read. The pass was there. He completes it. They get 10, 15 yards, but it might have gone for a touchdown. Also missed EJ Williams on another play that would have gone for a touchdown. Um, and then on the, the, the sack in overtime, I thought this was the biggest play where if Trevor's there, it probably is not a sack. And what happened was they run a trick play where they faked a little thing out there to, eat to, to Travis because they've run that play so much. And then they were going long. Well, Notre Dame read it well. Give Notre Dame credit. And it wasn't there. And he did a good job not forcing the throw. However, what he didn't do a good job of was knowing the situation. It was overtime. Right. He can't take a sack. Just throw the ball away. Get it. Get you know. You can still throw the ball down the field. Throw it out of bounds. Knowing you're at the 25 yard line, you can throw it through the end zone. I thought that's where he made a, a freshman mistake there. Probably the biggest mistake of the game. Maybe the only one technically that he made. Um, and and that ended up uh, when I look at him say, okay, that's kind of where. He was a true freshman, and maybe where you didn't have Trevor, that hurt you. Would you agree with that? Was that kind of way you saw it? I agree to a certain.
0: I, I do agree to a certain point, but also on that play, uh, I think I, I, think I'm recalling the right play. It was more of a fake toss to Travis Etienne. Is that the one you're
1: talking about? No, they were. Travis was lined up on the uh, okay. boundary. Yeah, that
0: was one when Travis lined up. Okay. Yeah. I get that, but the second play. Was a play where they tried to do like a fake to Travis Etienne. I'm gonna tell you something. When it's second and 19, and I'm and I'm a defensive end or yeah. uh, outside linebacker rushing, I could care less about your play action pass. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I can care less about your play action pass. I'm not going for it. I'm just gonna. in overtime. In your second. If yeah, it's an in overtime, time. you're you're behind the sticks. Hey, if it's a play action pass and you give it. So be it. I got a I got 10 other guys. But if I'm rushing the passer, that play action pass only gives me more time to make the sack. So I thought that was the play that really hurt. You know, um, yes, granted, you don't take a sack on that play, and you're right. I think Trevor probably would have played that a little differently. You don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, he might have played the same. You really don't know. You don't. But yeah. but usually you when you have a veteran quarterback who's been there. Been through the wars, he usually makes the right play. And Trevor has proven to us that he's going to usually make the right play. DJ is a talent. He has a big-time arm. Uh, but I think there's some things that he's limited as far as running the ball is concerned, mm-hmm. as far as being that great in RPOs. Because when he sits back in the pocket, you give him some time, man, he can unleash that ball like nobody's business. But and just will just give him time. Yeah, if you give him some time, man, this guy can fit it in those tight windows. There's no question about it. The guy can play. He's a big body. He's a Cam Newton. But, you know, I don't think he's always as great in the RPOs as Rena as well as I think Trevor does. And Trevor brings you a seasoned quarterback who's seen everything. So he's not going to be fooled or tricked by what you bring to the table. And I really believe that DJ will become a better quarterback going forward. And you just saw a sample of what he can do, given the opportunity, especially in the passing game. The guy stands strong. He's a quarterback that can zip it through there. He has that kind of arm. Uh, So the future is really bright in that way for the Clemson Tigers. They just kind of ran into a little bit of a buzzsaw with Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Notre Dame made the right plays at the right time to defeat the Tigers. But I think with DJ, you know, I'll take that guy as my backup guy. Mm-hmm. That guy's probably the best. He's probably in the top 10 of quarterbacks right now. You know, being a, a backup to Trevor. He's he's still probably better. I would dare say he could start for 90% of the teams that are ranked in the top 20.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with you. It, it, to, to, to prove that point, he was um, – he threw for 439 yards, which is the most passing yards in any game ever against Notre Dame. Any right. game ever. And you look at all the guys who've played against Notre Dame, all the Heisman Trophy winners that have played against Notre Dame. He – this freshman who, who was going to be outstanding, there's no doubt about it, did that. And And so we don't want to sound like we're being harsh on DJ because we're not. Uh, We're just making a point that there were a couple freshman situations where a veteran quarterback probably makes a play, but DJ played outstanding. I would give him an A plus going in that environment on a big time game on the big stage and playing the way he did. You can't ask for better than that.
0: Yeah, and that's you know that's what Booker. I mean, book Eli is his name Eli Booker Ian Ian Booker. Sorry, Ian yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. I didn't do my homework on that one. But (laughs) that's all right, man. But that's what he showed you. He showed you some veteran savvy during that game. He wasn't really just killing you with his arm. He was more so getting into the rush lanes, you you know, escaping, getting that third, you know, making it third and four Mm -hmm. instead of third and long. And that's another way to win the game. You don't always beat people with your arm. Sometimes you can outthink them. And I think that's what he did with a line that, you know, they held strong against the blitz. You know, with with him, you almost don't want to really blitz him. You know, you you want to say, hey, if we can maintain our pass rush lanes, um, we have a chance. It wasn't like Notre Dame receivers were just killing us. They were just getting us at the right time. Another third and long, and our linebacker really doesn't take the right angle to tackle the tight end. And, you know, he gets big yards. It's third and long, you know. And those are the little things that can bite you in a game, especially against a team that's – and that's a veteran team, especially on offense, mm-hmm. that they've been around. They were in that championship game when we beat them down. They, they really were. So they're a smarter team. They're more focused going into that game. We make those little small mistakes, but it become really big mistakes that the first time we saw them with the veteran defense that we had, they didn't have a chance. They didn't have a chance. But you're talking about a younger team. You're talking about the quarterback who's not the same. Now you have a chance to capitalize on plays because usually as talented as Clemson is and going to be, they're still young. They're still developing and as a fan base sometimes you have to understand that and realize that those guys are going to make mistakes. Usually they're playing against teams that they're way better than, that they could afford to make some mistakes. But the great thing about when you lose a game, now you focus in a little bit more. You focus in on the little details because you understand that's what got you beat. And you when you're winning and winning and winning and winning, you tend to forget about the fundamentals and the basics of the game. You, you really start relying on your talent because you're making big plays. I remember one time when I was um, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I used to false step all the time my second year when I was making plays, you know. Mm-hmm. And Marvin Lewis, Marvin Lewis kept telling Kurt, "False step. I mean, every time, false step, false step." And it was getting on my nerves, but I didn't realize that if I would eliminate those false steps, then I can can make plays even better, even quicker. And I started doing that, and I started making more plays behind the line of scrimmage, making sure tackles. And I think, you know, this bye week is going to be a great week for Clemson to look at themselves in the mirror, take a hard look, and say, you know what? we need to get better in these situations. My fundamentals, my first step, my hand placement, my the situation, we need to understand that in order for us to be where we want to be at the very you, end.
1: You played, and I hate to bring back memories, bad memories for you, but you played a lot of big games and some you didn't win. Um, come to mind, Punt Ruski comes to mind now oh, yeah, as a, yeah, yeah, as yeah, a yeah. game, um, couple of games, you know, um, during your junior, senior year as well. Uh, things just didn't go. They were big games and it, you guys fell in the short end of the game, 1990 at Georgia tech, for instance. Um, right. you know, what did you guys do? And this is kind of what this Clemson team is facing because you guys were great teams too. And you had to overcome it. What, what do you do as a player, you know, to try to first get yourself through it and then try to lift your teammates up and get them through it? What do you do to try to forget about
0: it and look forward? Well, it's easier when you're with a really good team and you're with guys who are talented, but also guys who really care and take ownership of it. So I think first and foremost is you got to take ownership of your mistakes and how you played and what happened in that game. You can't make excuses. That's what bad teams do. Bad teams make excuses and they point at other players uh, instead of just looking at themselves and saying, okay, what can I do to get better? And then overall, you got to look at it and say, how can I help my team win? Forget about me as an individual. Forget about me and my stats. How can I help this team moving forward to win? So what happens when you're on a team that's a winning team, the purpose becomes a lot bigger and you understand the purpose. And then you go out there and every practice, you realize that, man, winning is hard. No matter who you win, it's, it's hard. You got to earn your wins. So I think a lot of times uh, for a winning team, losing really makes you refocus on those small things you can do to get better and it really makes you pay attention to detail and that's the great thing about being a lot culture that's used to winning they take care of the details they put the game in proper perspective and they move on and they get better you see a team that's lost a game who's a good team the next week they come back they even better than they were before and i expect that that the Clemson Tigers would do the same. It's a shame that they don't have, they're not playing a game this week because you want to get that losing out of your system. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a good chance for them to come back and get a little healthier, Um, but be focused in what they're doing. And because you don't have an opponent, now you can really work on that stuff a little bit better. You can do your back pedal a little bit better. You can understand that if I'm a safety, that I can't bite on, the short routes when it's third and 11, you know, I can't bite on a double move or if I'm the outside linebacker and they block down, I got to really squeeze. If they're trying to double team me, I can't get washed. I got to make sure I stand my ground. Linebackers understand where they're trying to run the ball. So, Hey, take another yard to your left. If they got this, if they got the, uh, the formation to your side or the strength of the formation is to your left or your right. Hey, Take that other – take another step um, laterally so you can be there when they try to develop that play. So I I think it's just, you know, you you pay attention to the little things a little bit more. You become a lot more focused on what you're doing. And I feel like they'll do that. I I mean, if you're going to lose a game, maybe you lose this one. You're shorthanded. But I think that you refocus on the things that you didn't do. You kind of let lax, And you're probably like, well, Coach don't know what he's talking about. And now you really understand that maybe he does know what he's talking about and that I need to be accountable. So I always feel that felt that when you lose a game, you gotta take ownership. You know, even if it's not your individual fault, you gotta take ownership as a unit, as a team, that you you're gonna correct that and you're gonna make it right when you play again.
1: Injuries on defense. I don't know if I can remember. Even Dabo said this the other day while talking to us Monday night um, for his teleconference with the media. He he was telling us that you know he doesn't remember a time when he's seen this many guys injured on defense. Where I mean, it's just you know we mentioned the three starters earlier in in Skowski, Davis, and 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 Jones. But now you know you throw in you know Brian Brazee could be out maybe for a couple games or so. It's not as doesn't sound like it's a serious knee injury, but you know, obviously he's injured, it's hurt. So, you know, with knees, you never know, right? And then, you know, you look at uh, on the back end where Andrew Booth, I think concussion, um, you got a couple of other guys that are banged up as well. Uh, You know, is is it just kind of crazy? I mean, to me, it just seems like, man, this team is like sort of like a snake bit a little bit right now on the defensive side of the football. I, I don't know if I remember in recent memory a Clemson team just beat up, especially on one side of the ball. Yeah, you know, they've had so much success
0: and they've had so much depth and, you know, sometimes you have to be fortunate too. Mm-hmm. And they've been very fortunate not to have a lot of injuries, you know, and when you when injuries happen, no matter how much depth you have, man, you don't want to dig too deep in your depth cookie jar. <laughs> you know, you don't want to dig too deep in it because, wow, man, I mean, players are players and Experience is experience, and those guys who, who are your depth have to come in as your starters. Now it makes your depth weaker. And you never want to get to a point where now your depth is weaker. And that's what happens to a lot of teams. They have a good starting lineup. They just don't have any backups. They don't have any depth. So if somebody gets worn out, especially on defense, now you're losing more energy, and you can't replace that energy. Depth is you know, for guys that go in there for a quick four to you know five plays at a time and then they bring them back out. When you have to let your depth stay in there longer, then you start losing a little ground. You're not as good at the point as you normally are because your main guy, your starters, are not in the game and it really affects uh, the rest of the team. So for us, if you look at us in a really – you really look at our defense, normally this is what we have. We have NFL defense alignment. We have NFL defense alignment. But our linebackers, especially in the middle, they're good players, but they're nothing really outstanding, special, or anything like that. But they fit the scheme pretty well. They, they do the things they're asked to do. But by any means, are those guys prototypical – Linebackers that are going to go to the NFL? No, probably not. Then you look at our back ends. What people don't realize, and they always criticize our secondary. We've had really good secondary in the last few years. From safety to corner, we got guys that are in the guys who go to the NFL look at the draft. We've had guys to go to the NFL from that back end of it, from the corners to the safeties we have guys that can absolutely positively play on the next level. Now, when those guys start getting hurt, then you're not – those guys are not as good. Your depth is – you know, the reason why they're second-string guys because they're not as good as those NFL guys that you have up front. They're not – they're good, but they're not NFL guys. Mm-hmm. Clemson recruits NFL talent at the defensive lot. NFL talent at the cornerbacks and safety position. The linebackers, especially the two inside guys, are good players they are NFL players. So you start taking out those talented NFL players and you're just putting in guys who are really good college players, After a while that those linemen are going to get to that second level. And I don't care what kind of linebacker you are. If a 350-pound guy is on you, you're trying to wrestle him, you got issues and you got problems, and it's tough. So that's what you're seeing. When you, when you talk about injuries, man, you talk about injuries at more than one position, that hurts your defense. That that makes you a little bit softer than you were before. And I think that people need to understand that. And also a message to the people out there, the fans that are listening to listeners, show We got really good DBs. We really do. We're just, those DBs are asked, it's a lot for them. You're talking about man, it's man to man a lot of times. You're sending the house. Venables is a proactive kind of defensive coordinator, which is great sometimes, but if you don't get back there and you don't cause pressure, it can really be a strain on your defensive backs. So I don't want to hear anybody coming up to me and saying, our DBs suck, they can't cover. (laughs) Look at the history of our DBs. Look at our DBs now. Those guys are NFL players. And if you put pressure on the quarterback, they're going to cover up pretty well. But hey, if you don't, and you're talking about playing man-to-man, it's tough to cover a guy for five seconds. So please, I'm telling the Will, Please do not come to me and say that we do not have good
1: DBs because we do. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, especially when, you know, everybody knows Clemson plays a lot of press man. They play a lot of cover one and a lot of zero blitz. Yeah. And th- that means your DBs and your safeties, they're one-on-one. They're, they're, yeah. they're, they're matching them guys one-on-one. And that's, you're on an island. And, and Venables, he, the way they coach them and Mike Reed with the corners, um, does a great job, you know, coaching those guys up because they're sitting there. I would say a, a good bit of the game, they're sitting there by themselves and it's them and that receiver, the ball's coming and they got to make a play. And, you know, Andrew Booth, you look at the Miami game, look at the play he made. I mean, that's an outstanding play. You know, um, he made a couple of those this year. Did one against Virginia as well, against their six, seven guy at wide receiver. You know, there, nothing's changed there. You know, what's changed is – you know, I'm going to read this. It's like a mash unit list I'm about to read you. Okay, here's the sure. injuries to Clemson. You ready? Yeah. Breezy, All right. Landon Zanders, uh, Nolan Turner, uh, Sheridan Jones, Justin Maskell, Andrew Booth. I mean, that's that's nuts, man. I mean, that, that's the defensive guys that were hurt. And as I said, and a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, what happened to Clemson on that last drive? I can't believe they allowed – them to go right down the field and score they were playing six freshmen six in that last drive six guys that normally don't play were playing linebacker safety and corner
0: yeah man like i said man you can be a five-star player coming into a situation but guess what you still got to develop you're not there and you hope that you can get you're lucky if you can get five-star guys and they still have to develop
1: yeah, and those and names still, I mentioned. They're still getting better. And those names I mentioned—that didn't even count the three guys that didn't start the game that weren't here anyway. And Skowski, Davis, and Jones. So that's like nine guys. Yeah. Defense, eight, nine starters that started the season with you that didn't work. Plan on that crucial, gotta close it, close it out drive that Notre Dame went on at the end of regulation. Nine, nine to eight, eight or nine of those guys were. I'm sorry, that's a lot to ask young guys who aren't used to playing in those moments and those situations to come in and make plays. Now, right. the good news is, as Dabo said the other day, the silver lining in all of this is those guys played in that moment. They played on that stage now. And right. they maybe it didn't work this time, but maybe later on down the road, when they're called, asked to come in in a situation like that, they'll be better prepared. They'll know what to do. And so that might be the silver lining down the line. But right now, it's a loss. And um, and that's the reason for the loss. I mean, it's not an excuse. That's the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. But that's the truth right there.
0: Yeah, it, it's totally the truth. I think sometimes as Clemson fans, people may get a little spoiled on what they, you know, what they've been able to accomplish. But it's very hard to accomplish that game in and game out to win thirty-five something regular season games. That is tough duty because you're talking about young men. And to go back to the scheme of things. When I was with the Pittsburgh Steelers, they call us blitzburg, but honestly, it was more of a zone blitz. Mm-hmm. So our DBs wasn't just out on the island by themselves. We had zone coverage, but we we're just bringing more than what the offense can really account for. And we were professional football players. And so now you asking the same thing, but those guys to cover one on one. Just imagine trying to mirror somebody but they know where they're going, and you have to react to it. Folks, it's not very easy to do that. When you're <laughs> covering a guy, and he understands where he's going, but you don't really know where he's going, yeah, that's going to be tough. That's going to be difficult to do. So it's the it's the manning of our DBs, but in the past we've been able to handle that, especially last year. Last year I thought it did a phenomenal job. You know, now they're younger, and those guys – are good, they are, but when you're going against a team that's pretty good, I mean sometimes and they got the momentum and things that happen for them. it's has got tough. a quarterback. You got a veteran quarterback who's seen it before. Sometimes it's a little difficult. You've seen a you got a defensive, I mean an offensive line. Excuse me, that has the, that understands blitz protection, how to slide, how to pass things off. You may not always get there. One, you know, you may not your blitz may not always get there. I, if I'm Venables, I'm not changing the scheme because the scheme is really working. Mm-hmm. You may have to tweak some things if you still got players out, but that aggressive nature has gotten you so far, and you need to continue to be aggressive. Now, players understand. I guarantee you. Now, um, Mr. Thornton understands that he probably can't sit on that route. <laughs> he yeah. understands that now in that situation can't sit on that route. You got to make sure you play it deep, you know? And, hey, when they block, when they double-team, you got to understand that you got to stand strong on that. As an outside linebacker, you can't get watched. As an inside linebacker, you have to adjust your alignment so you can be there a little quicker. So sometimes losing isn't all that bad. You learn a lot more from film study once you've lost a game because, honestly, your focus is a lot better. And you, you don't want that losing or that loss to happen again. So you get back in there. You you see it for what it is. You understand it. And now we can move on and get better.
1: And, and they're going to try to do that. And, and kind of a great segue there that leads what we're getting to. What, you know, it's kind of like um, what can this team, because I think they're going to play Notre Dame again. I feel really confident about that. And I think if you're a Clemson fan, you want to play Notre Dame again, right? I mean, you want to – see if you can take care of business this time and beat the team who beat you. Um, it makes it more interesting. It makes it more exciting. Um, and so, you know, you want Notre Dame to win out and get to the AC Championship game. You want to win out, obviously, and get there. So if that opportunity awaits Clemson again, besides the injuries, and we know what kind of impact that had on this game, what could Clemson do better to make sure the outcome is different next time? Um, if they get that opportunity to play Notre Dame in the AC championship game,
0: well, I think you have to. When the the cool thing is, when you lose to a team, whether it's a year before or during that season, now you understand them a whole lot better too. Mm-hmm. So you understand what they do and what they can do best. Now it's all about, really. I think it's about execution. It's about running better routes. It's about tackling, getting guys to the ground. It's the fundamental things that you got to do better, but you do it at now a more motivating kind of speed. That's going to be the difference. You know, you got your you get your horses back. You get you get some main guys made back, some made guys back, and now you understand them and what they can do a lot better too and you understand they were at full strength at home they probably played the best most focused game that they ever could play they caught clemson really in a bad situation because i truly believe this if clemson was fully you know they had their guys especially their three made guys trevor uh, you know tyler iskowski this game may not have been even close.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame played as well as they possibly could play. I guess the team that was really depleted of some really good players. So when you come back next time, you're going to be more focused. You're going to understand what the situation is. But it all boils down to doing the fundamentals better and really hard. You know, fundamentals better, now we play harder, and you take it to them. And you don't allow them to get any kind of sucker punches or any kind of big plays. Because I ran down a list of how many big plays that Notre Dame got. And usually those five plays are usually the difference between games. Teams don't win games, they lose games. They lose game. And Clemson lost that game. Five plays. Go back. Go back and watch the game. You'll see easily. Oh, they would have did this. They would have been better. Oh, we'd have done this. Would have been okay. We'd have got off the field on third down. We'd have been okay if, you know, if we rushed the passer and we put pressure on him. We could have stopped them. A lot of times, especially with when people think of, they think of sacks. I don't really think of sacks. I think of pressure, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Because sacks are like baseball swings. They really are.
1: You get the home run.
0: You can rush the passer 20 times and you may sack him one time. It's not about sacking the quarterback. It's about getting significant pressure on the quarterback, which makes him rush his throws or throw off his back foot or not square up. But if you give these quarterbacks nowadays, you give them proper time, they'll, they'll, they'll pick you apart. That's why it's pressure that's important, not the sacks. So if they do those fundamental things correctly, I, I feel good about it too. I feel that Clemson should win.
1: Yeah, I think that when you look at the offense, I thought overall offensively they played well. Um they played well enough to win. Yeah, they did. Two mistakes. You score forty points, you should win. There's no doubt. You
0: should win the game.
1: Um, yeah. you, you the the fumble by Travis Etienne, obviously, you know, number one mistake. That's seven points there. That's seven points, and then the number two one was Amari. Now, I will say this: their guy made a play. He stripped the ball, and that's that was a good play by him too. But Amari's got to do a better job of ball security in that point, uh, knowing the hands are coming in there. So, you know, so those are probably the two negative plays. I really see, and I know a lot of people like looking at the offensive line, saying, "Oh, the offensive line's horrible." Blah blah. blah. Clemson knew. I mentioned the RPOs earlier. That was kind of they needed to do better there, you know, with DJ. Um, but Clemson knew they weren't going to be able to run the ball much against Notre Dame. They knew that because they got a very good run defense. Yeah, their guys up front are extremely NFL talent caliber guys. Exactly. They, they weren't going to run much, but. They what they did, I thought Tony Eller did a great job, was using the screen game as the running game. Right, so he would throw the ball out there in the flats and then screens, and he'd get Trevor, uh, Travis in space, and you get four, five, six yards, and you slowly move, and then you hit him across the middle for a big gain. Or that's the way he did it because he was bringing those safeties up in a different way to make plays out on the edges and, and stuff like that. So, I'm fine with that defensively. As you mentioned, I think if they get healthy and the right guys are there, you're not going to see some of those mistakes that they made. But, um, like, you know, I still look at Simpson, who's going to be an outstanding linebacker. It's all said and done. But there's two plays that come to mind. One was the 29-yard catch and run by the tight end, number 87, their freshman tight end, who's who's going to be an NFL-caliber tight end. There's no doubt. He, you know, he's just in bad position. Like, he should make – it's a third down play, as you mentioned – He catches the ball, and he's out of position to make that tackle. And and there's no way he's going to make a tackle on a guy that big. And and that was one. And then the second one was, again, same guy catches the ball. He's in position to make the tackle, but instead he tries to strip the ball. Like, what are you doing? Wrap up. Slow him down. Allow your buddies to come gang tackle and get it. Don't worry about stripping it. He's trying to strip the ball, ends up missing the tackle. The guy goes for like six or seven more yards, picks up a key first down.
0: You know, what you know uh, a quick story here. I was, I was co-hosted with Mark Packer, who's now on the ACC Network, and I was maybe two or three years out of retirement. And he asked me a very interesting question, which I kind of laughed at. And he was like, "Kirk, if you go back to the college level, what do you think? What kind of player would you be? What would you do on that level?" And I honestly looked at Packer, I kind of chuckled. And I know he was looking at my size, that linebacker, but I told him, I was like, Pac-Man, I average 15 tackles a game, two sacks, and at least one pick a game. He's like, really? I'm like, hey, man, I, I, I'm experienced. I understand. I know what people are doing. So you took, if you bring me back to college, are you kidding me Of what I would do? To your point, he is a freshman.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He. He just got out of high school not too long ago.
1: That's right.
0: Without the benefits of really having, you know, off season work as much as they normally are prepared to have off-season work. So that's just a teaching, that's just a teaching point. That's a coaching point. Hey, next time you're in that situation, understand where the sticks are, understand where to drop in your zone. If anybody comes in your zone, hey, man, you can take a nice angle and make that tackle, and it's all over with. That comes with experience. That comes with football is a know-how kind of game. And once you know how to do it, with his athletic ability, he'll put it into practice next time. So when you think of things like that, that's why I never like to get on players per se, you know, I, I I really don't because I understand that there's a development process in that thing. I was a freshman, too, and I understood it still took me some time to really be a good college player. And even on the pro level, as good as I was in college, it still took some development for me to become an all pro, all decade kind of player. It still took a while. So what do you think about these kids? No matter how... Get get out of your mind that they're five-star guys or whatever. Understand that there's still some development, and you really hope that there's some development. You don't want a guy to come in and, wow, he hit it off his first year, and the next couple years he doesn't improve. So I would say not panic. Understand the situation. And those guys are going to get better and better. I'm looking forward to seeing what this young group of defenses, you know, what they're going to be. They're going to be hell on wheels, I'm telling you. Give them another year or so; they're gonna be hell on wheels. But guess what? They're going through some growing pains right now, and Notre Dame was the perfect storm for that—a team that's good, a team that's a veteran team. That you know, if you got some players out, they they could possibly win the game, and that's what they did.
1: Yep, it's exactly what they did. And now Clemson seven and one overall, six one in the ACC. They're going to get the week off. Um, They practiced. uh, Some people know out there. Some people may already know. They practiced um, Monday. They took uh, Tuesday off. They practiced Wednesday and Thursday. Then Dabo is going to give them Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off so they can get their bodies rested, go home, maybe see their parents and family, um, watch them football themselves. Um, Hopefully they stay safe as well because in this COVID world, we're seeing with all these games postponed already in the SEC and the Big Ten with Ohio State, you know, these guys need to go home and be safe and do the right thing so they can come back and play again next week. Supposed to go down to Tallahassee and play the Seminoles. LeVon, we're going to talk about that all next week and all, man. It's been a great podcast. I've had fun again today with you, buddy, talking football. You're the best, man. You bring those X's and O's and those things that I sure as heck don't know. You bring it and and, and kind of explain it way better than me or anybody else that I know. So, man, it's been great, but had a lot of fun today.
0: Oh, man, it was a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for being the host with the most, man, you're great. Uh, I'm. I, I love talking ball with you, but I think it's so much more adu- productive that we get a chance to do a podcast and talk about one of our favorite subjects, and that's the Clemson Tigers, man. It's it's a pleasure always talking to you, man. I I really see it becoming bigger and bigger and better and better.
1: All right, man. Well, hey, dude, have a, have a great weekend off and uh, enjoy some football. Enjoy the Steelers. Go Steelers. Let's get to 9-0 and beat those Bengals. And uh, we'll talk to the rest of the guys next week. We'll talk to you here as we preview Florida State, get you ready for the home stretch as the Tigers still try to make that run to the college football playoff. I'm Will Vandervoort. at LeBron Kirkland. We'll see you uh, next week on uh, Prince of Football. Come on, Kirkland.